everyone, and welcome to One Meal, One Workout, your new approach to food and fitness. Brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Butler and Don Sullivan. Hey, everybody. Welcome to One Meal, One Workout. Are you still recording this, Mark? Yes. That worked perfectly. What you don't know is that I'm recording this after the show asynchronously because we have technology that we can do things like that with. But I just told you, so now you need to know. But that's okay. We don't mind if you know that. It's part of the magic That'll of podcasting. That'll never make it to the show. That's Well, I'm going to edit this one, aren't I? <laughs> I don't know. Are you? <laughs> that's part of the magic of podcasting. So, uh, Mark, Don, we how you guys doing? the technology. <laughs> I am doing awesome. I have it on good authority that I am fantastic. Great. Don, how about you? <laughs> I heard Mark's fantastic as well. That's great. I, I've been you, spreading that around. I paid a publicity firm a lot of money for that. So, well, you know, you you said, uh, Mark, uh, Don, you said something a minute ago. Um, we have the technology. You know, of course, when I hear that phrase, being the age that I am, I immediately think of Steve Austin. That's right. A man we barely can alive. Him. We can rebuild him. Better. That's right. Stronger, we make him better faster. and stronger. We have the technology. That line was right. Is that in there? It's actually funny. I was listening to a a, a podcast from an, another person besides myself. And they were talking about Steve Austin. Actually, they were somebody right now is trying to do. Um, they're actually going to just call it the Bionic Man. They're, they've got a treatise written up. And they're trying to they're shopping it around, trying to make a movie of it. Um, so I think it'd be kind of interesting. Of course, they can't say six million dollar man now. That would just be silly. It'd be like the That's sixteen like, billion dollar man. Too. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say four trillion dollar man cashing in coupons at the <laughs> surgery center to get a six million dollar man. <laughs> it's like the Austin Powers thing, you know. I'm gonna hold him hostage for one million dollars, you know, that kind of thing. We make so. more interest in uh, more than that in interest in the time we had this conversation, sir. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. So, anyway, um, I I got a uh, something to bring up. It's two year, two months from the end of the year, and I have a goal that I'm I've been working on for the last several months. I've kind of, you know, I've been finding some injury, which is kind of a little debilitating, blah, 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 excuses, excuses, but I have not been working at it as hard as I want to, but I'm going to throw it back out there and help to motivate myself. And my goal still is to be able to do a chin-up by the end of the year. A chin-up. One. Single chin-up. I'm quite a ways away from it. I've, I've got an assisted chin-up machine at my office that I've actually been working on a little bit. It's easier to gauge how far I am really away from it. And I'm still significantly far away from it. I can get much stronger and lose some more weight. And so um, just going to throw that out there. That is my goal. I recommend having goals. That's one of our exercise more tips we've had before is have a goal, whether it's, you know, maybe like, I don't know, Don, register, pre-register for the Jacksonville Tough Mudder. Well, not pre-register, but sign up for the email that tells you when you can pre-register, which <laughs> I did this week. And you're going to get a $10, uh, $10 discount, aren't you, for doing that? Uh, I certainly am. And That's I'm right. all about uh, gift cards and, and coupons and all that sort of thing. And tying it in with Tough Mudder, it's like a perfect storm for me. Well, it's, it's going to be awesome. If, you, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know what the Tough Mudder is, go back one podcast and listen. And here uh, Joshua Perkins and I regale you with our stories of the Tough Mudder in Virginia that we just did a couple of weeks ago. So anyway, Mark, um, how you, in the words of Boss Vic Koslovich, how are you sleeping? How are you sleeping? <laughs> well, I had said uh, previously when we had, uh, <clears throat> was it Dr. Leibowitz who was a sleep specialist? You were correct, sir. Oh, man, I nailed that. Um, When he was on, I had said at the end of his thing that I have every one of those symptoms and that I'm going to uh, have a sleep study. And uh, those the the wheels turn slowly in modern American medicine. And so some six weeks later, 
I'm just now getting my appointment, but in a couple of weeks, I'm going to go and, and have a sleep study. But uh, the point I wanted to, to bring up here that I thought was humorous was they sent me this rel- relatively thick uh, questionnaire to answer about my sleep habits, and, and then they gave the exact same thing to my wife. And she has to answer, and they're going to compare the answers. That's but, hilarious. Uh, one of the things I thought uh, was uh, there was you know, a checkbox, do you have this symptom, do you have that, that symptom? And one of the questions was irritability. And I said to my wife, I am the only <laughs> man in a house with four women. Of course I'm irritable. <laughs> well, and if you had marked it no, there's still a good chance she'd have marked it yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> like a, that's great. Well, not anything exciting going on in your neck of the woods? What's, what's going on? Is it, is it time to quit shaving again or any other news you want to share? Oh, it certainly is. It is November, which means no shaving. Uh, for if if anyone's not aware, no shave November is an an event that's gotten big on the internet the past couple of years uh, to raise awareness of testicular cancer. Uh, and then some folks are taking it a, a different route with Movember, growing mustaches for prostate cancer awareness. So it's it's mainly about men's cancer awareness. Uh, the ladies get the pink. And um, we get Man, the beard. And you're supposed <laughs> to take a picture every day, right? Isn't that the the way the meme is supposed to go? Well, I took a before shave, after shave picture, and um, not a picture of a bottle of aftershave, but myself after having shaved. <laughs> I was wondering about that. Yeah, and posted on Facebook, and I will more than likely post one on November end and say, "Here's what I came up with." What so, you are you going to look like a major league pitcher at the end of the month? Um, you know, I haven't started from scratch in about a year and I don't exactly remember how it went. I think it went fairly poorly. So we'll have to see how it goes. <laughs> I think I looked uh, more like a person who had been homeless for about a week. <laughs> see, I that's am follicularly challenged. I have a goatee and the reason I do is that's the only place on my face hair will grow. Yeah, uh, I have several have- friends that have asked me for tips on beard growing because they want to know what to do if they only have a spot here, here and here. And if you're just listening to this on iTunes and not in the stream, which I don't think anyone is, you can just put your finger in three different spots. And I think that's pretty much it. I've, I've gotten that from somebody. It doesn't matter where you point on your face. I used to have a bald spot right here, which is pointing underneath my chin. The Kirk Douglas like, spot. No, right actually below that, below my cleft. I do have a cleft and it was right below it. Now it's just white. It's really funny. I also, I have a spot on the top of my head, since we're totally digressing, <laughs> that looks bald, but is actually just white. Can you see that, guys? Yeah, my my daughter, uh, my seven or nine year old, was pointing at the gray hairs in my beard the other day, and I said, "Honey, I didn't have one of those before you were born." <laughs> well, I just had a, I saw a picture of myself a few months ago, and I was like, "I have gray hair. <laughs> I'm middle aged. I have gray hair. When did my hair turn gray, Cheryl? When did my hair turn gray?" Uh, kind of well, that's one of the things you've talked about before is you, you get locked into a mental image somewhere around 18 or 19 and you assume that's yeah. what you are. And, and even if you gain 300 pounds from then, you still think that's who you are. Yeah. It's the opposite of, it's kind of, it's like a, it's the opposite of uh, bulimic or anorexic where they have the false body image where they think they're fat and they need to lose weight. Fat people have this denial. A lot of times they think they're still in decent shape and that they can do the things they used to do or that they haven't gotten as big as they have. Especially with the the clothes creepage, which we've talked about before too, you know, where you go buy and you have to buy and you get bigger ones and so forth and so on. But well, we're going to go to our old friends, uh, the ultra conservative news blog, uh, New York Times, and um, read an interesting article here, guys. Are in the news this week? It's midlife weight loss cuts heart risk. 
And I'm just brought this. This was a really encouraging article for me, um, and I think it is for many people. It's a, it was a huge study um, done over the course of many years. Some of the subjects subjects were followed for up to 82 years, 19,000 people. And um, what was really interesting is it, you know, it the study reflected that fat kids tend to become fat adults. Yes, but the other thing that it also reflected or showed was that weight loss, even later in life, had health benefits. So it wasn't like, so like for me, I was fat until I was 41. I haven't done permanent damage to the, my body to the point that now getting healthy isn't going to help me. You know, even there's, there's some benefit, even like they say with smoking, you can quit smoking, but they still want to know how many packs a day you had. You know, they call it your pack years, how many packs a day you smoked for how many years. And they use that to determine some risk factors. But apparently, if you shed the weight, get healthy, get active, um, your body can recover to a large degree. And so uh, that's a, that's really interesting to me and encouraging. Mark, are you encouraged by that? I am encouraged by that because I am one of those guys who's trying to slim down in midlife. How about you, Don? Are you encouraged by that? I am. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the satellite time delay. Well, uh, I got yeah, an article. Well, I don't know. I guess I'm creeping into middle age. I got the baby. I might as well go ahead and start looking in that direction. So, yes, yeah. I am encouraged. Well, I, uh, I've i got an article already queued up for our next podcast, but I'm not going to share it right now. Um, Stingy. Unless, unless, yeah, staged. And if you want to go Google it yourself, you can, but it's about a certain comedian who hosted a show, if you know what I mean, uh, who's made a recent health change, you know, and he's seeing some of those same kind of benefits. So, uh, got a couple more weeks here to go on our contest of emails being sent in. Um, having trouble sorting through them all. Not <laughs> is to use the eighties colloquialism. We could use Max. a few more emails about, um, your success stories, whether it's because of one million workout or not. Uh, whatever success story it is, or your questions you might have for us or any of our experts we've had. I've got a got an inline with every single one of them. I can shoot them an email. So if you're about listening to an old podcast and you want to ask Mike Sherrill a question or Laura Field a question or Dr. Leibowitz a question or Mark Vescio a question or anybody that we've had on the show, you just shoot me that email to Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at 1-Meal-1-Workout.com, and I will get that question to the right expert. Or if you have a question about Don's facial hair or Mark's lack thereof or uh, anything like that, we'll be glad to answer those questions. And if you win this contest, you could win a road ID, roadid.com. If you don't know what it is, check it out. A custom-made embroidered element OP hat. Oh, there's only a few in the world, and you could be the owner of one of them. Or three, a T-shirt that has not yet been designed or created. One of those three great prizes could be yours. Aaron, if I might jump in there, I would like for there to not be only a few in the world of those products. So go to elementop.com and click the store thing, and you, you too can become our walking billboards. There you go. Even if you don't have a success story or a question, you can have an Element OP hat. Exactly. Today. not Well, not literally today. You can buy one today and have it in four to six weeks, <laughs> depending on the shipping. I don't have any idea how long it is. Actually. actually, they do a great job. They get it to you usually in, in four to five business days. That's awesome. I might have to do that. All right. So our guest today is Mr. John Campbell, nurse practitioner and all-around cool guy. And we're going to get him on the phone right now. Wink, wink. We have with us today Mr. John Campbell. John is a longtime friend of mine. We were co-workers back in Texas for about five years. John, say hello to everybody out there. Hello, everybody out there. All right. <laughs> this really is right the literal here. podcast, isn't it? It's going to fit right uh, in on this ship. So, um, John, like I um, have been, and, and Don and Mark has, has been a big guy for a number of years. 
And um, he just recently, uh, uh, what's it been, like nine weeks now, John? It was August 8th. August 8th, so right at, just right at two months, not quite, uh, went, underwent a uh, surgical procedure. And so I'm going to let him tell more about that in a minute. We had on the show uh, about, I guess it was episode 11, if I remember right, so it would be nine episodes ago, we had my friend Mike Sherrill who had gastric bypass about three and a half years ago. So we kind of had the retrospective, here I am now, um, looking back to what it was like. But tonight, John's going to be able to give us the... The here and now, I'm just now coming through this. What is it really like uh, without a rose-colored glasses looking back? And um, so anyway, John, just let's just start off, and if you wouldn't wouldn't mind, uh, introduce yourself a little bit, and um, just tell us who you are a little more than what I've already told us, and anything else you want to share. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, Aaron was talking about having been a big boy most of your life, and I mean, now I'm a nurse practitioner, been nursing for. Um, gosh, almost 20 years now and worked in the emergency room for about 11 years, different capacities there, and then went into dermatology as the nurse practitioner. And it's one of those ones that, you know, a lot of times lifestyle choices and stuff like that, especially working 7 p.m., 7 a.m., you know, leads into a lot of of extra calories, not the best choices in food, and you know a lot of times worn out, and right. you know after a while things just gain and go. Now but, let me ask you real quick. Let me ask you real quick, John. Since we both kind of we met each other as adults, you know we were in our thirties when we when we met. Right. Um, were you big as a child too? Well, you know, let's put it this way: in um, middle school, at one point. When I was, I tried to play football and, you know, got psyched out because I'm thinking, gosh, they're hitting me. I'm hitting them. Somebody's going to get hurt. <laughs> um, I was actually the size of the coach. So oh. the only uniform that fit was the coach's uniform. Wow. So, you know, been a bigger boy most of my life, but, you know, on this, I would say probably a little bit on the heavier side during high school through college, but really started expanding once I got, you know, into more of a professional career at nights and stuff like that. Right. And that's when, you know, the weight gain just kind of started and and increased and increased and increased and led me to that point. Now, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I think we're we're real uh, real similar age. So you're early 40s. If, I, if you don't mind me sharing that to the entire world, is that right. correct? Yeah. Yes, so. Sir. So what at the at the age of of early forties, um, like like uh, Jessica Simpson said, I'm 25. I mean, I'm almost 25, and that's almost mid twenties. Uh, <laughs> early forties. What led you now to the point of uh, deciding? And we we actually we Facebook chatted about this just a little bit when we first started talking about this a while back. Right. What what led you to the decision that this is the route you were going to go? What made you make that final call and talking to the wife and the family and said, this is what I want to do? What kind of brought you to that breaking point? Well, you know, we adopted two girls in, uh, right at a year ago. And when it did, we had taken care of them for about two years before we went into the adoption aspect. Congratulations, and, by the way. <laughs> thank you. And when we did, you know, you started realizing that now I'm not doing it for just me and my wife. I mean, I've got two other children or two other people that are going to be counting on me to do different things, going to be counting on for me to be there for right. me to, you know, provide for. 
So that gave me the extra stimulus to help kind of move me forward, move me doing the folks that I worked with or I work with actually were real supportive in the decisions and, you know, worked with me on getting stuff set up. That's great. John, if you don't mind me asking a personal question, what's your, what are your measurements? What's your height and weight pre-surgery? Well, 25, 32, 30. No, don't. Um, <laughs> Told you. Let's right see. <laughs> right now. Before, uh, let's, let's, do the, let's do the before first. Like the day you went in for your first appointment. Oh, gosh. I would say 4X shirt and about a 58 to 60 pant. All right. So, so that, uh, that's right about what I was too. I was actually my 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 good pair of jeans was a fifty six when I started. So, and since you know since the surgery and about two weeks before, you know I'm already down into three X where they're fitting better down to a fifty two pant and you know in that situation right there. So, so we we had uh, uh, we go had go a, ahead, Mark. Uh, sorry we had a guest on talking earlier about the fact that uh, you had to go through uh, at least for his insurance I'm assuming the same for you had to go through a a period of a pre diet uh, a pre surgery diet so uh, I'm assuming there was some weight loss there and then now you're right at three months in so you've lost you know, about eight inches around your waist in that amount of time yes that's great. And it's one of those ones I actually paid cash to get mine done. Our insurance wasn't one that would cover. Okay. Oh. And when you did, the um, a lot of your insurances will make you go through like a three-month where you go through the diet and weight loss, make sure that you know, you're set in your mind that this is what you want to do, that you're committed to the situation and all. And, you know, I didn't have to go through that part. Almost all of them made you do it. Almost all of them will make you do a two-week pre-surgical diet, which is predominantly liquids that are high in protein to help you know get some of the fat out of the liver, so it makes it a little bit easier to work with there. And when they did, you know, had about 19 pounds before surgery. So right. the diet that they put you on really does kind of get a significant amount off in a short period of time. Well, uh, and you and you said in our conversation, pre-show conversation today, you've lost as far as pounds. You've lost what eighty something pounds already. I'm at eighty-five today. Yes, that's awesome. So, so what made you pick? Now, let me let me back up one more time. Um, what kind of surgery did you actually have? I had the gastric bypass, or what they call a ruin Y. That's the exact same thing my friend Mike had. So that's interesting. That this will be good. We can pair apples and apples here. To keep the food analogies going, uh, <laughs> or we can care, share, compare pizzas and pizzas, whatever you want to do. But uh, yeah, so we, the so you had the um, where they take the intestine, detach it from the bottom of the stomach, attached up near the top of the stomach, um, and possibly even shorten a little bit, that kind of thing. Yes. All right. So what made you um, go that route? Was that just what the physician recommended, or was it something you researched on your own and figured out, or? Well, the um, the man that was my preceptor from nurse practitioner school and still probably my mentor and one of my best friends there had been on me for years to go ahead and get it done. And he had always said that a ruin Y was the way to go because right. the years that that had been done was out there. The, the research was there and it was really a, a well tested. And, you know, when I was starting to go through and reading and doing and, 
you know, I've been looking at this, you know, 10, 10, 12 years. So, and, you know, just never could get your mind and everything committed. And when I did the gastric sleeve that they do now, which is one of the ways that the amount of weight loss is very similar to gastric bypass. They basically make the easiest way to say is they go in and make this, the stomach like a banana and just basically narrow that tubing. And when they do the stomach, the excess is removed and sent to pathology. Well, being a nurse, being a little pessimistic, knowing the way that things can happen in the real world with a gastric bypass, even though it's not, you know, completely reversible there, it is one that if there are complications that things can be kind of, you know, reversed to a certain degree. Right. But then again, your stomach is still there. You're still producing some of the acids. You're, you know, getting all that you need. And the one thing that I had was, you know, what if I develop an ulcer? You know, right. my luck, I develop an ulcer, H. pylori, something like this. And, you know, next thing you know is I've got a hole and I don't have that much to begin with. Where are we going to go back and redo? Right, because so with the gastric is, bypass, you can, you can, in theory, take the intestine and attach it back to the bottom of the stomach because it's, it's not a stomachectomy. They don't take your stomach out on a gastric bypass. They literally right. bypass it and then take the stomach and let it go ahead and dump its gastric juices down further into the intestine. It just bypasses, right. the, the food bypasses it, right? Right, okay. exactly. And For those that haven't sleep. taken A&P like I have. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the sleeve just basically, I mean, when you do, you just basically take, you know, I don't know exact measurements, but, you know, you figure about two-thirds of the stomach, trim along it, put in your staples, and then throw away the excess. And right. I'm just, you know, being in the medical area, just a little bit leery about, you know, oops, there it goes. I don't want them throwing so, away any part of me that I can fucking help. <laughs> yeah. Really? I might need it later, you know, that's kind of thing. Exactly. Well, so... so what? Let me back up again. I'm I'm doing this. This is the asynchronous retro show. We're doing everything out of order as I think about things. Um, what made you make the final decision? Did it go with gastric bypass versus maybe trying, uh, like Mark, like Don here, one of our other guys on the show. He did. He took Adapex, I believe it was. Is that correct, Don? Yes. You know, a, a appetite suppressant type thing under a physician's supervision. Um, you know, I've had another friend who. Uh, did has I have lots of people who have done the uh, I can't even think what it's called. It's the biggest weight loss thing in the world. Weight Watchers, thank you. Uh, that okay. kind of stuff. Had you tried and failed some of those, or um, did you not Been want there to do and the done drugs? Most of those. Right. Been there and done most of them. Yeah. And you know, a lot of it was that you know had been you know never did do Weight Watchers, but you'd done the Atkins diet, you did the South Beach diet, you did. Um, Finfin or the Fenteramine and um, the other one back when it was popular and underneath the direction they are physicians, um, you know, had done metabolic research, weight loss there. So, you know, being a big guy, you know, and you tried everything, even hired a personal trainer, went and worked out, actually lost some weight, gained muscle. So, you know, it's one that is a trade-off there and you know it's it's one that you finally just decided that you know hey with having extra responsibilities these these kids needing a stable place and got a new place 
then, you know, it's time. Let's get it done. All right. Well, Mark, you have a question? Well, actually, he just answered it. He answered the question I was going to ask. Okay. I saw the look on Mark's face that he was that he had a question fer, uh, fermenting in there. So um, tell us now then. So you you've been a big guy all your life. You make the you try some things over the course of fifteen twenty years to get in shape. None of them seem to really be successful for you. Through the encouragement of the mentor you were talking about and other family and friends and your own decision, you make the final decision. You have the gastric bypass. You go in. You go under. You, you wake up, and now you've made this this change that is going to affect you for the rest of your life. So tell us about what this first um, couple three months has been like. What things stand out to you as what were the hard things? What were things maybe that were easier than you thought it was going to be? Just kind of talk about your general experience. Well, you know, when when you research and you've been in medical stuff, you you read, read, read. You overread. You know, when you're nursing, you know, you you look at the aspects, care one way, care the other way. You start, you know, kind of overanalyzing. You know, you read it, people's experience, both good, both bad, and you're thinking, oh, boy, what am I getting myself into? And when you did, a lot of it is getting into that right mindset that this is what I'm going to do. This is what I've got to do. I'm, I'm ready. I'm committed. And, you know, I think it's been easier for me, a lot easier than what I would have ever expected it to really do. I had, you know it's hard to really put into words there that, you know, what my mind going in, you know, I'm going to be starving to death. I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, right. you know, you're not going to be able to eat this. not going to be able to eat that. And, you know, going into it, I'm thinking, okay, I want to select the most punitive thing for me. Meaning that my biggest downfall has always been sweets. Right. Well, with the gastric bypass, basically, it gives you the dumping syndrome, which makes life miserable if you do have sugar. So I'm thinking, okay. Right. This and I is won't ask I you want. to describe the, the dumping syndrome in any more detail. If people yeah, are interested, they, they can Google it. <laughs> they can Google it. But when I did, oh, you know, the, the first thing is really liquids, and you have to go on liquids for usually two weeks. Right. And then the physician that I used led us into, you know, normal foods about two weeks after surgery and you know when I'm talking about normal foods softer processed foods things of that nature right. not baby food consistency but you know where you have to really have really chew it and things and you know you're starting to find out that grease is not your friend anything that's <laughs> fried normally upsets the stomach usually ends up being taken care of on its own Mm -hmm. Um, some of your drier, um, things like chicken breasts, some of your tougher meats, like some of your red meats don't normally do as well because they're just too coarse and they give a kind of a really, to me, a weird sensation in the stomach. Like, it, you know, just something's not sitting well, not even an indigestion feeling. It's just, it's a hard one to describe. Right. My friend Mike and, talked about, friend Mike talked about when he overate a couple of times, it was actually quite painful. Have you had that same experience? It is. Kind of I mean, it is. I mean, it gives you a real, you know, a real weird sensation that's not as much a true pain, but a real, real discomfort. I mean, it's like, right. uh-oh. And you learn kind of, you know, portion size after, you know, several weeks. You know, you learn that, you know, there's certain things that you can do that, you know, this quantity of one thing, 
you may can tolerate more of, but this quantity of another you're going to have to tolerate less of. Oh. And it's usually like the when you look at chicken, chicken breast doesn't do good, but chicken legs or the darker meat does fine. Hmm. And, you know, your vegetables, you're getting back into a few of those. And usually like broccoli or spinach, things of that nature that you can chew and get in are doing fine. Carrots and some like that will do, but you know you have to avoid some of the things that have the the um, skins on them, like grapes. Oh, okay. And you have to think about some of those things because they can actually, you know, kind of form not form a film, but you know could get lodged over the opening. So Mike was also talking about um, having to be careful to not drink while he's eating. That's what he was told not to do because it could actually just wash food on through the pouch and you won't get full as soon as you, you should. Right. You don't. What it does is it basically you're by doing it, you can increase the amount of calories that you're actually intaking in. Right. Because if you think about you're going in and you you can eat more and then you're diluting it, getting it through so that, you know, basically you're getting more of a uh, higher amount of calories going through the system. And they tell us to, you know, to do no drinking 30 minutes before, 30 minutes after a meal like that in order to let it have time. Um, you look on different websites and it's usually 15 to 30 minutes based on, you know, whichever protocol you see that's out there. But most of them, most all of them do tell you don't drink before, don't drink during, and don't drink for a short period afterwards. Right. John, I have a question you brought up with the the stomach not feeling uh, right. Um, okay. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I can say this without being crass. We, we generally don't think about our guts. You know, they're just kind of there until something's right. wrong. Um, <laughs> do you feel different after the surgery? No. I mean, you know. My experiences with it were, I mean, you know, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I mean, this is going to be awful. I'm going to hurt. I'm going to do everything else. And the first day of surgery, the worst part is when you rolled over, you you got on these fresh incision sites. And, right. you know, that kind of woke you up. The second day, you know, I had a little bit of pain medication IV-wise. And then by that afternoon, they pulled it out and, you know, took one pain pill that evening before – they gave it to you before you went to bed, and then they gave you tramadol to take it home, which is a um, a low-end painkiller, and I took half of one of those one day. So there's not a whole bunch of um, – to me, there wasn't that much pain, and you know what you're getting report from nurses that the other folks were experiencing more there. So I think that's a personal – a uh, personal feeling like that and mm -hmm. you know but the sensations within the stomach is not really a pain like you know gosh this is really hurting it's just kind of a weird discomfort that you know when you're feeling it it's there and you know uh-oh i better stop here right and I, I mean i hope i'd answered the question to you or if you want to rephrase i can try it again <laughs> So I, think, I, I, think I would answer. guess, to put it in more layman's terms, it felt like somebody had been in there shifting your guts around, huh? <laughs> pretty, pretty close. 
But, you know, it's one that, you know, there wasn't that much pain. There wasn't, you know, the hardest part was trying to tolerate and do the amount of liquids when you first came out because you weren't hungry. You didn't want to drink. You didn't want to eat. It was just kind of, you know, hey, you know, I'm not hungry. I'm not thirsty. You know, it's kind of a weird sensation like that. Yeah. So you hear the word laparoscopic thrown around. Was this a laparoscopic procedure? Yes, it is laparoscopic. Um, most of them are done laparoscopic now. Every once in a while, if they get into a complication, they'll have to turn, do it as open. But it took them, I think, my wife said an hour and a half to two hours. And then you're in recovery for you know about an hour at that point. And then you're up to the floor. Right. So how many how many incisions do you have to have when they do this laparoscopically? I'm assuming at least a couple of three. It's six. Six. So there's, I missed it by half. Right. Well, there's one. You know, let's see. There's one that's over on the um, that's closest to the stomach. Um, then you've got two more midline on the upper abdomen. One down and then three on the left side of the abdomen, or I'm sorry, right side of the abdomen. And it just allows for them to get in and access the stomach underneath the liver in the area where they're going to do the resection of the bowel and stuff of that nature. Well, John, three months in, uh, I had a friend who had this surgery uh, a long time ago, and it was right about this point that I ran into him, and he said, worst decision I ever made, I would never do it again. I feel run down because I can't get enough calories. I'm tired all the time. Uh, I just hate that I ever did it. Three months in, what is your uh, take on it so far? I have no regrets whatsoever. And we had a holiday carnival with the kids at our church. And, you know, to me, it was an amazing feeling because, I mean, I'm sitting here going, you know, I'm bending over. I can pick up stuff off the floor. Without having to get on a knee, I'm, you know, right. and you're not having to compensate for stuff that, you know, you don't even realize getting bigger and bigger that you're compensating for. Mm-hmm. And I talked about that adaptation that you do as you get fatter and fatter slowly, you, you find ways to reach your feet and you find ways to get stuff off the ground and. You find ways to sit in a chair, and you don't even realize you're doing it. You're just adapting as you grow. And then right. when it starts, the weight starts coming off, you suddenly realize, wait, I can do that again. Right. And so, like, I do have shoes, and they got laces, you know. <laughs> and, you know, it's all like, gosh, you know, I do have two feet down there. I don't have just one that I can see. That's, um, right. that's when they're going in front of each other. I think Don and, has a here. John? Yes. I think, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to ask what after after having the surgery, what do you think is is really the biggest benefit of it? Is the, is it is it the fact that it forces you to limit your calories? Is it the fact that it forces you to learn to 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 refocus your diet or relearn what you can eat and what you can eat? Or um, what is it that you really think is the biggest benefit? I think the benest, biggest benefit is getting off the weight so that you know you're getting the risk of the diabetes down you're getting risk of the high blood pressure down um is getting you to a forced lifetime lifestyle change 
and it's one that you are seeing that you're able to regain parts of your life that you weren't really aware that you were losing through, you know, less activity, you know, right. you know, not getting tired because, you know, you're chasing the kids going, Hey, let's sit down here for a second. And, you know, I think really the biggest thing is the overall impact that it has on the improvement of health for reducing, you know, the risk and giving you back that sensation and that feeling that, you know, I can, I can do these things again. Well, that's something we haven't talked about, John, is um, we know you were a big guy before all this, and but different people, depending on their size and genetics, things have different problems. Were you hypertensive? Were you diabetic? Are you still? I, are you still? No, I mean, I, uh, when I went in for my pre-surgical visit, my blood pressure was up. But the reason why it is, I mean, I'm in there. This guy's fixing to, you know, you don't know what he's going to do to you. <laughs> and you're on the receiving end of medical care versus the giving end. And, you know, that, you know, white coat syndrome drives your blood pressure up. Yeah. And plus, what do they do? They have you sit there for, you know, an hour and waiting and doing this. And you're thinking, okay, I didn't see the EKG. I haven't seen my lab. I haven't done this. And... You know, basically, you know, I had no high blood pressure, had no diabetes. Um, you know, you could see skin changes that told me that I was having insulin resistance, which is a uh, velvety type brown stuff around the neck. And then, you know, the EKGs were normal. Lab work was normal. So, you know, no diabetes, no high blood pressure. But the physician sat there and he goes, he was glad that you were making the decision at that point because within two years you'd have both. Yeah. So go ahead, Mark. I, I know you want to say it, Mark. I know you want to say it. Well, actually, I did have a comment. I don't know what you think I'm going to say, but <laughs> I thought you were going to say that you're similar because you're a big guy, but oh. for the most part, you're still fairly healthy, right. you know. No, my comment was when I go to the doctor and I made my appointment for 7:45. And at 8.35, I'm still sitting in that room. That's why my blood pressure is up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, a lot of us are one of those ones that, you know, Aaron can tell you I'm a talker. And, you know, you take time with the, with the different folks. And, you know, everybody, you know, you know different things. But every once in a while you do get tied up with, with situations. But the one thing that you always try to do to anybody there is you always try to recognize that their time is important. You yep. thank them, you listen to them, you give them their concerns. And if their concerns only last for a few minutes, you know, that little bit, you know, I apologize for your time. What can we do? And just that little bit of conversation at times will help, you know, at least bring down some blood pressures. I'm not trying to put well, the whole uh, medical profession on track. <laughs> uh, uh, if you make an appointment, an appointment means that's when I will be there. That's the definition of the word appointment. So right. if I have an appointment at nine, dang it, you better be ready for me at nine. All right, I'm better. Because I had to okay. leave my work to get there, all right? Yeah, I know. Okay, I'm better now. Sometimes you just have to get on your soapbox, let it out, and step back down. That's, what, that's why my blood pressure is, is marginal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, don't even get me started about cable guys. That's a whole different ballpark. <laughs> I'll be there you between know. 9 and noon or noon yeah. and 6. I'll be there sometime between Monday and Wednesday. <laughs> so, anyway. Well, John, do you have anything else you want to share? Any any kind of words of wisdom you want to give to the listeners out there? Um, I know we've got some people out there listening that have probably been contemplating it for years, like you did, um, that may be thinking about it. 
Well, the one thing is get your mind right. You know, you have to be ready for what you're going to do because it's not an easy decision to reach, but you have to have expectations that, you know, you're not going to, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to eat some of the things. You're not going to be able to enjoy, you know, some of the things that you did in past life. But it is one that, you know, you're looking down that, you know, hey, now then I'm going to be able to hopefully see them graduate from high school. Maybe hopefully see them, you know, get married, you know, hopefully see grandkids, be able to be longer productive versus shorter productive. Right. Uh, because, you know, the heavier you are and the more strain, stress and the diabetes, high blood pressure, all that mess, you know, can end up, you know, cutting 10, 15, 20 years off your life, according to how, how severe. And, you know, it's, it's a change the family has to make. It's change friends have to make. Um, the other is to have a good support group, have a group of people that, you know, you trust, you know, that have been through similar situations. And because I've got, you know, two friends that I go back and forth with more that one of them I've known for about five years. The other one I've known for about 20 years and didn't know that he had had bypass surgery until I finally sat there and said, okay, here's what I'm doing. And now then he and I are going back and forth more. So if I've got a question doing there, you'll sit, right. get a little email support. So, you know, I think that that's the biggest thing is you got to get it in your mind, what you're fixing to do, that this is going to be a major change. Um, there are going to be some hardships, but to me, you know, I had read about it, was ready for it. Right. And, you know, I went ahead and did a psychological testing just to make sure that, you know, I had everything set up for these people so that they know that I'm not, you know, at least certifiable. <laughs> but, you, know, you passed it, John. It I'm proud was, of you. You know, but I, it was I had one, one more question uh, yes. regarding. Uh, this may be the wrong time to ask this question. I might need to ask it in 30 days. Uh, but uh, at the end of this month, the Great American Festival of Eating uh, is coming up that we call Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving right. is essentially a holiday um, all about gluttony. Um, what You were talking about getting your mind right. What What is your mindset coming into pumpkin pies and turkeys and stuffing uh, when you're going to be able to eat like a thimble full and watch everybody else? Well, I mean, that's part of getting your mind right. And, I mean, you know, my mom's been diabetic since, you know, gosh, I was in high school. So you're looking since probably 82, 83. So we were used to having some the sugar-free type thing. So, you know, you'll still have be able to, to have a bite of this or a bite of that there. But, you know, when it comes to, you know, your other eating, you know, well, you have green beans you can eat. You've got turkey that you can eat. You'll just have to eat the dark meat. You know, with the stuffing, you know, you may take a bite or two. Breads don't do real well for me. So it's just going to be selective on what I can do. But, you know, hey, you're there for the family. You're there for the friends. You know, you're, I'm going to be able to enjoy it. I'll be just, you know, eating less of it. Do me a favor, and after the holiday, make a post over in the Element OP forums and tell us about that. Because I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I think that uh, people look at that as one of the biggest uh, roadblocks 
is that they'll feel excluded and they won't be able to do the things that they love. And I'd really be interested to hear about your first experience with that, if you don't mind. Okay. And that's yep. fine. Yeah. The, uh, right. the, the thing I, you know, I haven't had bypass, but I've tried to change my eating habits and what I've done, I've, I've been through one Thanksgiving is I tried to just continue to eat similar to the way I was already eating. So I think that's kind of the approach. I, you have to make it about the people more and less about the food, which is hard, obviously with the, with all the commercials and everything, but make it about sitting at the table and visiting with people as opposed to having that fourth helping of cranberry sauce, even though I probably will have four helpings of cranberry <laughs> sauce because it's the only time I eat it all year. It's my favorite. But. Well, see, that's that's kind of what I was thinking there is is what what the three of us are doing, Don and, and, and Aaron and me, is, is diet and regulation. We have the opportunity to go off the rails once in a while. John does not right. have that option anymore. Right. Well, so, and, you know, right. but that was the decision that I came to, you know, more on my own and, and there. But the one thing, too, is with the quantity that you eat and the sensations that you feel if you eat too fast or if you overeat, you know, help you kind of sit there and think, okay, you know, where it used to take me, you know, two to three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes to eat, you know, supper. Now it's taking you 30 minutes or so, and you're actually sitting there and tasting it. You're enjoying it. So, you know, limiting it and, you know, you're still going to be able to enjoy it. You just have to go slower anyway. So I think that, you know, you don't miss that proportion. You use a little bit smaller plate and, you know, gosh, you know, I've cleaned my plate. Well, you're using a bread (laughs) plate versus the big plate. Right. So. Man, you know, but that's getting stuff right in your head, and you know, it's gonna be tough. I mean, because you you sit there and go, "Gosh, that cake looks good," or you know, "Gosh, <laughs> you know, all that Halloween candy that's in there." You're going, "Okay, I just want one bite," but then you know what's gonna happen. So that really changes your mind. <laughs> well, I think the way you put it earlier was you chose the most punitive route, knowing right. that that's what your personality needed. You know, yep. sometimes you need the carrot, sometimes you need the stick, and and you needed the stick. Yes, sir. They're doing a thing on a local radio show. But carrots are tasty. Nationally syndicated That's radio true. show, actually. Called, and it's one of their interns that needs to lose some weight. It's this late uh, female intern. And they came, she came to the show and said, to the you know, the talk show guys, the radio show guys, and said, hey, I want to lose some weight, and let's make a bit out of it. What can we do? And they they came up with, Motivation by humiliation is what it's called, and so each week she's going to weigh in, and if it uh if her weight does not go down each week, then they're going to post her weight, her actual weight on Facebook, their website, and on Twitter. Have you seen <laughs> Which, those scales that post directly to Twitter? As soon as you step on them, they post to Twitter. I have not seen those. That's yeah. cool. That's frightening, not, is what that is. Not to me. That's not. That's not that. I've never been one that's really been um, that concerned about my number being known. Um, but for for a lot of women, I could see that would be an issue. You know, I don't mind shouting it from the mountaintops when I weighed 385 pounds. I wasn't proud of it, but I didn't care that people knew. So I appreciate your time, John. I really do. I think you shared some things. And, you know, especially kind of following up with Mike's episode. Um, so if if you're listening to this episode, and you missed Mike's episode. Go back and get episode 11, and kind of gives you the the bookends of the whole gastric bypass experience and. Uh, you can always shoot an email to Aaron, double A-R-O-N, at onemillionworkout.com, and I can pass it on to, to John or to Mike if you have questions about gastric bypass and their experiences. Um, Don, Mark, do you guys have a question for John? I don't have any more. Thank you for your time. 
Thank y'all, and I appreciate talking with you. And Aaron, good to talk with you again. Say hello John, to your family for me. I was going to say the same thing. Tell your darling wife hi and pat your kids on the head for me. I will do it. You too. Talk to you later. Thank y'all. Bye-bye. Well, that was Mr. John Campbell. I only called him Mr. Campbell once, I think. I did pretty good. Uh, we, you know, we worked in a professional setting, and he was a nurse practitioner, so he was referred to as Mr. Campbell, or as a lot of his patients called him Dr. Campbell. We were in East Texas. Um, so it's kind of a hard habit to break sometimes. When I was teaching school, you know, I was Mr. Butler. And after hours and hours and hours of that, I came home one day and Cheryl said something to me and called me Aaron. In my, in my mind, I was like, that's Mr. Butler. <laughs> of course, I did not say that out loud, obviously, because I'm still alive. Uh, but yeah, it gets kind of funny when you get in the habit of saying, calling somebody a certain thing like that. So yeah, John's a great guy and I really appreciate him sharing, sharing his experiences and, and what have you on that because it's a, it's a it's a growing option that people are taking as it's gotten more refined and and better results. You know, from ten years ago, it's not the same surgery you had, you know, ten years ago. So, um, eat less tip and exercise more tip this week. I'm looking at the show notes and they are blank, absolutely blank. Somebody dropped the ball on this. I don't know who it was. It did not get in here and put those that eat less, exercise more tip in the show notes, but it was probably me because it's my responsibility. <laughs> So <laughs> I literally, I looked all through them and just bypassed right by that. So, um, well, my eat less, exercise more tip this week is um, you should do that. Well, I think uh, John gave us our eat less tip, and that is get your mind right. Whatever you else go. you're going to do, Perfect. get your mind Thank right. You. Good save, Mark. Good save. So, uh, and also, Mark, you you nicely plugged the forums there. Would you like to continue to plug away? Absolutely. ElementOP.com. ElementOP is the production company for One Meal, One Workout. It's also our home on the web for uh, discussion and communication amongst our listeners, as well as other great podcasts. Um, at least Sean says they're great. Uh, I am open. <laughs> if you're a listener, Sorry. you'll know what that means. That was funny. Uh, so anyway, uh, check us out, elementopi.com. You can also uh, find us on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. But you're probably going to be more interested in following Aaron on Facebook because he has all sorts of great stuff there at... One Meal, One Workout. Anywhere you want to find it. The number one, that is. Number one meal, number one workout.com. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Um uh, anything, that's all I can think of. That's all we got. But uh, <laughs> any of those will work. And um, so it's get out there and get some information heading our way. And uh, I think that's about it. So Mark, Don, John, everybody out there is listening. Remember, before starting any diet or exercise program, it's recommended that you consult your health care provider. 